This podcast is brought to you by TeamTrade, a digital solution that helps you hire, optimize, and retain employees. Using psychometric assessments to identify more than 100 professional mindset traits, it gives instant reports you can use to build high-performing teams. Get two free profiles today, no commitment, no credit card required, at teamtrait.com. Team, T-R-A-I-T.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. What does it mean to be a badass leader? I mean, have you ever been told that, you know, you're, you're too meek or you're going to get demoted or you work from a place of fearly where you can't make a decision or you're afraid to be your authentic self? I've, I've had all of these things happen well, to you. you all you got to do now is read the news these days and there's more reason than ever to be fearful. And to be a leader, you need to be able to recognize that you need to manage from a place of facts, not fear. And hopefully that's one of the things we're going to be talking about today. That's right. Our guest today, and by the way, welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. I guess you should tell us who we are. Audrey Strong, Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel. And I'm C. Lee Smith, the president and CEO of Sales Fuel. I'm just so excited about this guest. I wanted to get to her, Dana Farron. Thank you for coming to our microphones and welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. It's a delight. So Dana, our guest today, incredible background, grew up in a cult. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have her explain yeah. that fully. And in her journey to healing, became a dominatrix. Now, she will explain what better, she means it? by that. <laughs> in the context of business and a lot of other things and leadership. I did say that correctly. Now, these days, she's changed gears to help leaders and as a consultant show up with true authenticity, the confidence by standing in what she calls the inner dominatrix energy. No apologies, no excuses, decisive decision-making. This sounds like a dream, doesn't it? Live your bold, sexy, fun-filled life. She says, becoming a badass in life and business requires you to be unique and stand out with your own personal power. She's ready to help you guys learn more about this. Her personal brand is the Inner Dominatrix, author of Become a Badass in Business. DanaFerrant.com is the website, Dana. Okay, we, I guess we'll, we'll back up the, the caboose. Let's start with <laughs> the, the cult. Okay, so I grew up in uh, a religion called Jehovah Witness, and mm -hmm. my father was an extremist with it. So it is on the index of mild cults, and then my father took it to the uh, to the extreme, like I said, and that creates a very interesting programming and dynamic, and especially, mm -hmm. you know, a, a lot of religions really push down for women, but when you start getting into the cult level of it, it, it really sets up this horrible dynamic where you feel like you're a second-class citizen, that there's just no point. I mean, I had people saying to me, and this was like in the 80s, well, there's no point in you going to college because why do you need an education? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Um, so it was a very interesting journey and it really did take a lot to change the programming that I grew up with. And so, you know, for, for me, I kind of feel like I've been through this really big, intense personal journey to heal all of that and come out the other side and, and stand in a position of power and leadership and, and showcasing that for other people that they can do the same thing. It's amazing. So you're, you're counter-programming, as we used to say in television. <laughs> <laughs> so when you chose to identify with the dominatrix as part of your personal brand, obviously coming out of your background, we can understand a little bit about why you attached yourself onto that, but it, it has multiple meanings. Mm -hmm. So, so first of all, I want to clarify for everyone listening that 
you know, a dominatrix, most people think in terms of what Hollywood presents. And of course, Hollywood is, does a terrible job of presenting anybody's profession. And particularly in this, because there's a lot that you can sensationalize. And so they, you know, they take it to all that stern, harsh, you know, you know, overbearing kind of look, but what a dominatrix is actually about for, for a lot of the pro doms anyway, is really about taking people on this journey where we use pain as a way to transform what is going on in your life and to, to drop you into a space that allows you to see that you are far more powerful and capable than you thought that you were. So much like people do extreme sports, this is, it's kind of a, an extreme personal development world. So it's, it's really transformative. Give an example of like maybe obviously no names that a clients like what what that <laughs> like personal yeah, so I'll use to you a, a revelation and a transformation yes please Audrey take this line of questioning because I'm not, I'm not going there <laughs> <laughs> so I'll use my own example okay so um, I you know having grown up in a cult there was of course always there's the surrounding abuse and um, and I had so I had sexual abuse growing up and. In, in creating a scene, so when I first dropped into this world, I was on the submissive side, and we crafted out a scene to actually reenact that abuse. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that sounds horrible, but in, in doing it in a safe, structured format, what we're able to do is we're actually able to drop deeply in on a kinesthetic level. I re-experienced the abuse, but we had scripted also a different outcome. And having that really deep um, experience, it allows that programming to change. And when I came out the other side, you know, seeing that like I could take back my power, reclaim all of that, I had a huge epiphany. So I actually shifted years of depression that I didn't even realize I was depressed. But you know, I remember after the the session that you know, I'm looking out and it's a gray, drizzly day, and I'm like, wow, isn't that pretty? And then I'm thinking. I've never had that thought before. So it really shifted things so quickly, which is why I wanted to get into it. So I I became a dominatrix because the healer in me wanted to take other people on this journey. Now, unfortunately, most people don't want to go to the dungeon. Um, Can't understand why. So, (laughs) but I still wanted to give people that transformation. And I, I worked with a lot more tools, a lot more training, figure out how do I get people that same intensity of transition without, you know, having to go through, you know, the, the whips and the chains and, and that kind of intensity or, you know, extremism that not everybody's comfortable with. How did you, how did you make, how long did it take to make that transition from being submissive to to being dominant? Uh, About six months. So it was, you know, it was a, it was a, I mean, it was a kind of a, it's a, it's a kind of a radical flip. Like all of a sudden you're like, you get this feeling of like, okay, I, I, I've done this submissive. I really feel that. And, and then I started to move into the, the dominant piece of it. And then the, the training was over the next four years. And I continued to, you know, I was working with people at that time, but I continued to develop my skills. But the, the flip of the switch was probably about a six month period. What do you do? I'm going to speak for all of us who come out of industries that by their very nature and machinations are, are wholly negative. So uh, 
for years I worked from a place of absolute utter terror and fear because in broadcasting you can get fired for absolutely no reason and your mm -hmm. news director will look at you and say look if you don't do this uh, blah 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 you know there I've got a thousand tapes sitting in my office people lined up that would take your job in a minute so shut up you know do whatever how do you deal with people who are stuck in an industry that's wired that way and are, is it possible for them to still transform themselves just for the sake of saving their, their well-being absolutely you know it it comes down to for me it comes down to this space of when we are willing to lose everything in our lives when we're actually willing to we don't try to lose it but when we're willing to let go of the necessity to have these things in we create more possibilities and opportunities and so when you have that you know, boss coming at you and going, well, I had, you know, I have a thousand people lined up, but then you can drop into this space of like, yeah, you might, but they, you know, are they going to put up with your crap? You know, you can, you can come back and stand in your, in your place of power and do it in a way that it's not confrontational. I mean, that sounded kind of confrontational, but you know, it's, <laughs> it can be done in a fun way, depending on the person Like you, you would actually be able to, to dance with that. Um, that scenario because I would I would totally play that like yeah sure are they gonna can they can they put up with you the way I put up with you do they know you do you really want to train somebody new right you flip it around so that you take the power back but when we're afraid of losing then we just go into the fear and our brains are kind of like computers it's it's awesome in that the more emotionally charged you are so the more emotions that are running, the fear, the anxiety, the, oh my goodness, I'm not good enough, all those things, that uses up the, the memory. So our RAM, right, our, our random operating memory, the more you're using that up with, with emotions, the less you have available for cognitive processing. So when you, when you take the charge out of things, that emotional charge, now you can think of things to say, right? Because it's, when you have those incidences and it's like, a day later or two weeks later, you come up with all kinds of great comebacks because right? mm -hmm. you're not emotional. Yeah, right. For salespeople, <laughs> it's usually the five minutes in the car after the, after the yeah. sales call is over. Why didn't I say that? Yeah. yeah. And, and this is the thing is that transitioning those, those pieces, when we, when we take all of that charge out and we're willing to lose things, then we don't get emotionally riled up and we can think of how to navigate all of these situations in the moment instead of afterwards. What is about somebody? Oh, go ahead. Then. I'm curious about somebody then who is naturally dominant, but but then is being told to suppress their dominance. Mm -hmm. Well, it could be a woman, can be a man as well, uh, because I've been told to do that as well. And uh, what do you feel the the effects of that are suppressing that natural level of dominance is on on an individual, especially in a business sense? Um, I think it's, you know, it's, it's real backlash right now, of course, with all the Me Too and everything that people are saying, well, don't be dominant. Um, I would really, like if I was working with you, I would say, okay, well, how is that showing up? Why do you need to be dominant? Why do you need to be in control? And looking, again, it's still that same kind of thing. It's like if we're willing to let go of these things, you can still have the, the beautiful aspects of the dominance, which is the leadership and you're willing to stand up, you're willing to be seen but without the push energy, which is what most people don't like about dominant, what they say are dominant people. They don't like that pushy, I'm in control, it has to be done my way, we're gonna do it my way or the highway. Mm -hmm. Finding that balance where 
It becomes a true leadership in which you're inviting other people to stand up and find their their way of being brilliant, like accessing their talents and abilities. You really got to think of dominance. And the same thing goes with fear as well. You really have to think of it as a spectrum. And if you're too far on either end of that spectrum, where that's bad. So it's like if you don't have enough dominance, it's like the, the, then you're, you're, you're a pushover. That's, that's not good. And if you're too extreme on the other end or whatever, you're exactly the type of traits that you're talking about here, the pushiness and the, you know, the domineering aspect of it. Uh, you know, you got to be someplace in the middle. And the same thing goes in for that, for that fear emotion because if you don't have enough fear or whatever, that's a bad thing. And if you have too much fear, you're paralyzed. So I, I like to view it as a spectrum and it's like, in, you know, there for different types of jobs, you need to be at a different place on, on that spectrum. Absolutely. What's your recommendation then for your techniques and your program for what you guys just talked about? But then also, let's say, like you said, becoming a badass business person, you still have to read the room, right? So how do you find the balance of being authentic, not being at both ends of the spectrum like Lee talked about, but also still reading the room and then not giving in to maybe the room and climbing back in your hole? I can see that happening. Yeah. And so I find, Audrey, that when, when we're able to drop into um, to this, this place where it's like, okay, I am not attached to the outcome. And so it's not about me. And we're able to feel what's going on in the room, navigate those pieces. It really comes down to doing that internal work first. If I come into the room with my agenda and I'm really set on what my agenda is, then I'm not navigating and moving with it. So it's kind of the difference between if you're showing up for you know, doing a Shakespeare play and you have a script that you need to read versus showing up for um, an improv class. And when we're doing, when we're leading, we need that balance between, okay, here's the things I need to cover and I need to have some improv. And that requires us to have that flexibility in, I don't have to get it right. I don't have to be the person who knows all of the answers. And that allows you to, to dance in those pieces. So what I would recommend with people is that it's, it's really about doing the inner work, changing the mindset. Because when you change the mindset, then you create the answers. You can tap into the deeper wisdom that's already there. You can tap into, of course, this you know starts to go a bit woo, but tapping into that collective conscious of what is it that needs to be said in this moment so that I can shift the room. How do you deal with some people then who are just naturally not dominant? They just don't have it in them and you're trying to get them to be more dominant. You're trying to tap into that inner dominatrix as you, as you talk about. How do you draw that out of them? So give me an example. Why would you want them to be dominant when they're not dominant? Well, I, I don't know. I'm asking you. It's like, it, 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 so, let me ask the question a different Introverts way. Introverts versus extroverts, maybe? Well, I don't know so much that. It's like, I, I think the, it's like, uh, does everyone need to have an inner dominatrix? Yes. And, and dominatrix is not about being a person who's like bossy and in control. So it can be, <clears throat> and for me, it is really this piece of like, it is being the master of your own domain. So knowing who you are, knowing what your strengths are, and it doesn't have to be boastful. So having that quiet confidence where you walk in the room, you say nothing, and people are intrigued. They want to know who you are. You can still be an introvert. You can still be, you know, that quiet lead from behind, um, but still be 
standing in the inner dominatrix energy because you are sure of who you are and you don't need other people's approval. You don't need things to have a certain outcome. You're letting go of those things. And so you can move with, with whatever comes your way. What are the elements that make up me then knowing who I am? So are we talking about what my personal mission for my business is or my code of conduct in business or what are some of the things that you help people define? Yeah, and I tend to go a little bit deeper than that because that's that's like that gets into your head, that gets into your brain of like what are my values sure. things, which I love. You know, those are great. And if I go a little bit deeper and do I love doing more of the exploration of saying, okay, what if we remove your current identity, remove your current attachment to what your identity is, and then explore, well, how do you want to move in the world? How does it feel to move in the world? And I, you know, like I said before, letting go of the attachment to how things need to be. It's a little more nebulous than here is the structure of finding your values. <laughs> you know, it's taking it into the, the deeper consciousness, but that creates a natural evolution of people discovering who they are because they have a freedom to find that. So maybe today your values will be, you know, X, Y, Z, and then tomorrow that can change. If we take off of the barriers, we have that ability to be more fluid in how we show up day to day in different situations. And, and we can, because we haven't defined, this is who I am all of the time. So how do we, what tips would you give to somebody then for letting go of some of that natural fear that might have been there through past experiences or mistakes that they've made or something like that? And how do you get them past that? I mean, if you could give like a couple pieces of advice or, mm -hmm. or different shifts in mindset. Yeah. And I would say that one of the things I love to give people is the awareness that we have the ability to pick up um, emotions and judgments from other people. So things that, that aren't even ours. So we walk in the room, we can feel what's going on with other people. And the, the thing is, is that when we are constantly aware of what is going on with everybody else, sometimes we feel it inside and then we think it's ours. And so we're internalizing everybody else's self-doubt and thinking that it's ours. So if we have this permission to say, well, what if, what if 90% of the, you know, yuck that you feel in your body that, you know, dis-ease, discomfort, what if 90% of it is not yours? And what if you give yourself permission to just drop 90% of it and move in the world and show up in a way that's like, oh, well, who am I if I don't have all of this baggage carried with me? That's the, probably the first place. And then along with that, if you imagine your energy field, so if we take and create a bubble around ourselves, like a big egg-shaped dome, fill that with you know, your favorite color. And then we take that color and we expand it out. And we make it as big as the room. And we keep going as big as the city and as big as the state or province that you're in. And then as big as the country. And we can keep going out. But what that does, it allows you to actually move your energy, your life force energy out to take up more space. And you become spacious rather than condensed. And what will happen is that there's less ability for all of this, you know, judgments and emotions to stick to you. So then you're not carrying around everybody else's baggage. And that creates a freedom and an opening all in its own. It's 
quite remarkable if you actually use it. I can imagine that would feel a lot like being in Europe for a couple of weeks and then coming back to the United States or whatever. And you know how it just feels like, ah, oh, there's wide open spaces here or whatever. And you just feel so, so free and energetic, you know, when you, when you come back. I mean, like that's, that's my experience anyway. Yeah. And that translates to on an emotional level, when you feel like you have space, you also feel like you have, you know, more perspective on life and on how you're running your business or how you're showing up at work, all of those things. We've got about a minute left, Dana. So you want to tell us about the Badass Intuition book? Because I know you have a free download. Thank want to share you. that yeah. with the listeners before we wrap? Yep. Thank you. So if you go over to innerdominatrix.com, you can pick up a copy of the Badass Intuition book, which is a six-week boot camp to take you through to getting really dropped in and connected with your intuition to make quick five-second decisions. Five second decision. It was a three second, two second decision to book you on the show when our That's friend right. Cindy Ashton wanted to send you our way. Uh, what a pleasure. DanaFerrant.com is also your website and it's Dana Ferrant for your Twitter. Everybody, it's P-H-A-R-A-N-T. That's how you spell it. I'm saying it correctly, correct? You are. I love it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Dana. We appreciate it. Everybody, I've got a long drive uh, coming up and I'm going to try some of these exercises when I'm driving through the middle of nowhere and see if I feel better. <laughs> it's going to be great. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.